Welcome to the One Stiletto in the Grave podcast with your hosts, Sonny Ormond and Jane James. Well, hello, everyone. We are feeling a tad overexcited today and not a little cultured. <laughs> Our guest today opens up a window, nay, even a skylight on all that is Ambridge. We talk columns, not Doric. We talk goddesses, not Lillian. We talk swats, riffs and dispatches. We even talk speedos. Have you guessed it yet? Ah, it is none other than writer and journalist extraordinaire Charlotte Higgins. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. Are you ready to cast off those dull old blacks and greys and embrace colour? Kettlewell sells high-quality wardrobe essentials in more than 300 colours. From everyday basics to jackets, skirts, dresses and scarves, each Kettlewell style comes in a range of colours in four seasonal palettes, so you can choose the exact shade for your skin tone. And when you wear your perfect shade, your skin looks fresh, glowing and youthful. We're ready to embrace the rainbow. Are you? Visit Kettlewell at www.kettlewellcolors.co.uk Hello everyone. We're so delighted to have as our guest today a journalist who, amongst her many other talents, writes about Ambridge every month in The Guardian. She is, of course, the wonderful Charlotte Higgins, whose A Month in Ambridge column is adored not only by Guardian readers, but also by thousands of Archers fans who share it shamelessly on message boards. And it's loved within the Archers cast WhatsApp group as well, isn't it, Sonny? And as well as writing about Borsetshire, Charlotte is the Guardian's chief culture writer and an award-winning author of three fascinating books about the ancient world, plus a book about the BBC called This New Noise. Uh, which is superb, I've just finished reading that, and her, and her newest book, The Greek Myths and New Retelling, is just out in paperback. So, welcome Charlotte. Oh, thank you so much, it's a real joy and privilege, and I'm <laughs> reeling from this information that the WhatsApp group of the Archers cast thinks about, even devotes a single second to a month in Ambridge. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of flattered and terrified. <laughs> Well, it is absolutely true, Charlotte, and I'm so thrilled to meet you. Of course, it's Lillian here. Hello, darling. Um, uh, Don't, I'm going to explode. I'm going to explode with joy. I mean, honestly, you've got no idea. I mean, you have no idea what an honour this is. I just, why do you need to... Have you, have you, now look, what I need to know, darling, have you got your gin bottle there? Have you got your gin? Because that's the thing that we need to get us through this. Have you got... <laughs> no, seriously, you are. We, we, we hold you in great esteem, um, our lovely Archers cast, because you write the most marvellous columns uh, about it. And, and, and uh, particularly recently, um, uh, the columns, you know, with regard to our lovely um, Jennifer's parting uh, from the Archers uh, has had us all in tears. And in fact, that, that certainly uh, uh, there were a lot of WhatsApp messages coming up. Uh, on our group uh, from that and indeed if, I, if I'm correct and Charlotte won't mind me saying this it was dear Charlotte Martin who posted that wonderful mm. piece and said you this is the most beautiful piece we must all read it so there you go there you are accolade wonderful oh, that, oh. That, that's incredible and um, I mean honestly her death Jennifer's death was extraordinarily sad and lots of people 
lots of people I know, maybe it's something to do about reaching a certain age, but lots of people I know mentioned it to, because obviously in, among my wider circle of friends, I'm now the person you talk to if you want to talk to about the archers. And lots of people um, came to me and said um, that they'd been really, really affected by it because it, it tapped into so many, you know, if you've lost a parent um, or you've lost anyone close to you, and it's not just about that kind of grief, but it's also the, the thing that the Archers does so well. It's about the ramifications on every single family member or people who knew her. Um, and, and that sort of thing of... Um, you know, reminding my friends were reminded of the sort of bad decisions that their fathers made after their mums died. Or um, there was another friend who was terribly, terribly, terribly upset by it because her mother had died in a really similar way. And you know, I thought of my own mum, who who was who is really the reason that I have that I listen to the Archers. You know, who who died um, four years ago, and she absolutely she absolutely loved the archers and you know it was um listening with her uh you know before you know sort of before i even got to school you know as a toddler listening to the uh lunchtime archers and uh, you know also she was in some ways a bit like jennifer you know uh, so it was genuinely extremely sad and, and i think this is for me this is the sort of extraordinary quality of the archers is that it it just sort of it mainlines into people's hearts at moments like that because just because of its incredible longevity because you know my theory about the archers is that time is really the main character and so mm. you know i've known jennifer all my life and mm. it's terribly mm. sad you know it's terribly mm. sad it does, I think it becomes, I mean, I'm in the arches, but it, I'm also a listener. Um, and I do think it becomes part of your DNA. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And we were, you know, when you get the scripts and, and there's the same kind of ripple effect within the Archer family. I mean, obviously, my character, Lillian, was Jennifer's sister. So the ramifications of that were, you know, absolutely huge as an actor but also as a human being because again you know you're losing somebody you've been very close to she's I she I was her sister well, I've been her sister still am her sister but uh you know for 22 years so it, it is that it, it really does affect you because Lillian in a way is my alter ego I know that character as well in some ways as I as I, as I know myself but 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 you so beautifully and was so eloquent you know stated uh the, the the wonderful imagery there was wonderful it was so eloquent and I I'm if you don't mind me quoting just a couple of lines for those people out there who may not have have seen your column but you said how does one become so fond of the invisible creatures who speak to us from radio these complicated people who after all are made of sound waves of vibrations of air and I thought that was so beautiful and I think it touched us as well as actors within the archers because we strive so very hard we've only got our voices to create these three-dimensional characters and I just found that so touching it was beautiful beautifully uh, put so thank you for that yeah I think you spoke for a lot of people in the way that you wrote about it was mm. it a difficult one to write Yes. Well, in a way, yes, and in a way, no. I mean, it was clearly, there wasn't any debate in my mind about what was going to be the focus of that month's column. So in that sense, it was, it was easy. And I suppose, um, 
but but I suppose the the tricky I mean it's a small thing really but the tricky technical point in that column was that a lot of other things had happened that month too which you sort of want to reflect and um and it is it is like the texture of life right that lots of very ordinary and trivial and kind of funny and stupid and mildly upsetting and irritating things happen and then this is and then out of nowhere this really big shocking thing will happen so I wanted to reflect both those sides of, of the archers which to me is also you know that's life that's how that's how these things really do register like something grandiosely awful happens but you know still people around you are doing terribly ordinary amusing trivial things so yeah that's 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 mm. what I wanted to try to to get across. But I really felt she was such a good character, you know? I think she was such a good character. And, and one of the mm. things that I like about her, and it, it's a thing that she shares in common with other long-standing characters, also your character, Sonny, is that there's a sort of... I think because the Archers, you know, it does go through different viewpoints, it goes through different editors, it goes through different writers, and that leads to a certain inconsistency in the characters, right? But I think that is genius. Because actually, people are uh, contradictory. People don't stay the same. People go through different phases. Um, you know, often art presents us with incredibly coherent uh, views of existence and life. And actually, life isn't like that. So I quite like the sort of knobbly, you know, is Jennifer this person making apple pie? She's the same person who was that kind of rather radical person in her youth or was the kind of local historian yes because over time we do contain these contradictory um and kind of broad a whole you know sort of universe of, of different elements so mm. I, I liked her I thought she was a really interesting version of a of a kind of female character she contained mm. so much yeah so I'm, I, I really miss her Absolutely. yeah yeah and I think the ramifications, as you, as you so rightly say, of how now this is going to develop within the family, and already there are there's a restructuring of a dynamic of the family in some ways. You know, Alice is almost becoming the the young matriarch in a way, but you know, with Rory and and taking on that kind of mantle. I mean, there's millions, isn't there, of strands that are going to sort of develop from it. But Absolutely, yeah, it's already, yeah. It's already happened, and, and we as actors, of course, in a way, are are rejuggling that as well in our relationships with each other. It is fascinating. It is fascinating. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, no, like you say, when someone goes, uh, you know, for whatever, the, the the remaining structure has to rebuild itself around that gap, doesn't it? And I, you know, noticed that in a way in my own family after my mother died. There's a kind of, there's a the things just shift, and yeah. you know that can be a positive thing, but it certainly can create change. And of course, drama, <laughs> it's all about change yeah. and conflict, yeah, isn't it? And with plenty of that yeah. in the Aldridge family. <laughs> Uh, certainly is, yeah. and you said that you started listening to the Archers as a toddler with your mum, which is so lovely. Have you listened to it continuously? Did you sneak off to your room at university and listen to the Archers? Or no, probably, you... I think I think there were gaps. Uh, there were sort of un definitely sort of university shaped gaps. But you know, I had a radio, and I would it would it would come on if it if I, you know if I wasn't doing anything more studenty. Um, um, and so no, it's 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 been with me all my life, and um, and all of my family um, listened to the Archers, and um, at, at times it was even like a sort of UN peacekeeping device because if the Archers was on, 
we, we sort of flipped from being lunchtime to seven o'clock listeners. Um, and there was a whole period when I was a teenager where it was really useful to have it on at seven o'clock because that was supper time. And then we couldn't argue because the arches would be on, <laughs> honestly. But, and also my, my, my family would take up really strong positions about plot lines. I remember that my entire family just hated, this is so terrible. We beg forgiveness, Susan Carter, now. But they hated Susan so much. Do you remember when she was in prison? Of course you remember when she was yeah. in prison. That my family was like, throw away the key. You know, there was no there was no nonsense about free free the Carter one. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely merciless. Obviously, I, I don't know, I love I mean she's such a great she's a, she's a She's such a fabulous but, character. But, but it does bring that out in people, Charlotte. I mean, I've got a one-woman show that I've been taking around for a while, and I always do a Q&A in it, you know. And, I mean, people, are they, they're so passionate about the characters and about storylines and, you know, why did that character go and why is this and I hate that. You know, and I sort of gently say, uh, we are actors, actually. <laughs> real thing. But, yeah, that, that is it. It gets into your DNA, doesn't it, you know? And yeah. um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, very, it's very interesting, that point of view. So yeah. now you're writing the column. Has it changed how you listen to the archers? Yes, it has, and and actually, not necessarily, not necessarily for the better. Actually, in, in the following way. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I wrote, um, um, I wrote a, a long read about the um, archers to coincide with the seventieth anniversary. So we have this section in The Guardian, which is very sort of highly reported, highly crafted. I'm just doing one at the moment and I'm on the third draft and it's sending me crazy. You know, it's really sort of you spend a lot of time with these pieces and try and make them as polished and beautiful as possible. And I um, I volunteered in a no way sort of self-serving <laughs> way that there would be a kind of lovely idea to write, do one about the archers because it's such... You know, if you're from the outside, you know, if you're not a Radio 4 listener or, you know, if you are from abroad, let's say, like, it's the weirdest thing. It is extraordinarily odd that this that this um, drama has been going on for 70 years and and um, has this kind of, you know, manic fan base and um, um, started off in the way that it did as, as sort of part of an agricultural um, advice programme post-war and so on. And... So um, I really like, in my writing for The Guardian, I really like looking at British institutions, and I do think the Archers is a British institution, and, and, and working out what they tell us about ourselves. You know, what are they, what, what are they functioning as? So I, I did that, and it was fascinating. I did it through the pandemic, which was uh, kind of, uh, you know, tricky, but there it is. Um, thought about it, spoke to lots of... Um, cast members and, and Jeremy Howe and, and script writers and learnt, learnt a huge amount about the intricate and amazing way in which the Archers is made, you know, fell in love with Vanessa Nuttall, who, you know, why wouldn't you? And um, the Sposs Effects person, for those who, you know, are listening and don't know that, but she is the, the, the genius behind the sounds. Mm -hmm. And occasionally she writes me an email saying, thank you for noticing the whatever oh, sound. Oh, bless her. <laughs> which oh. well, is heartbreakingly she's, lovely she's um, and oh. then and oh. then after that sometime after that in a kind of mad moment I wrote to um, a colleague who commissions stuff about TV and radio for the Guardian and said 
Um, Because I felt like I'd learned a lot about the arches and I could use this learning uh, in other ways, plus the lifelong enthusiasm for the show. So I wrote this email to colleagues saying, I just don't know, how would you feel? Here's an idea. What what if I picked up Nancy Banks-Smith's A Month in Ambridge column, which had been, you know, in abeyance for a few years since Nancy had, had stopped doing it? And I didn't even think about it. You know, I didn't even think... Oh, so Nancy Banks-Smith is like one of the five best writers in the 200 years of The Guardian. Um, maybe it's not a tremendously good idea to attempt to pick up something that she has, you know, she has done with such genius. And so, I mean, I wouldn't say that of many colleagues, but Nancy Banks-Smith is, a, a, you know, she, she's a goddess. So I don't know why in this crazy moment I thought I could do that. Anyway, um, the... The suggestion was accepted, and then um, also we obviously very carefully wrote to Nancy, or the editor wrote to Nancy to check she was okay with that. And I got, I have to say, like the sort of email that you want to print out and stick in your study by your desk from from Nancy, sort of basically wishing me wishing wishing me well with it, with a few choice Nancy-ish words. It was just fabulous. <laughs> and then I started. So getting to your question, <laughs> sorry, I haven't spoken to anyone for a while because I've been in edits for this piece. So, um, chat, chat, chat. Getting to your question, I, it has changed the way I listen because um, I don't miss a minute. And therefore what I do is instead of just listening, you know, I would normally be a sort of seven o'clock listener, but... That obviously, you know, my life, because I'm a culture writer, involves being out in the evening a lot. I wouldn't necessarily get to all... I binge listen at the end of the month. So I go for a really long walk or two and listen to a whole month's worth. I might have, you know, I will have heard a few bits and bobs through the month, but I I, I do that. So it means that some, it means I didn't, I only knew Jenna... I knew Jennifer died from people telling, from people WhatsApping me and saying, isn't it yeah. awful? Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. So, yes, it has yeah. changed. Um, and, and I don't, that, that's a sort of slightly odd thing, but it, it's just professionally necessary for me because I'm a SWAT. I can't do it if I haven't heard, if I haven't really concentrated on it and yeah. made notes. No, that's really interesting, Charlotte, how you do do that. Because I did wonder whether you sort of, you know, went into a darkened room and heard it all. And, and, and I, one of my questions was going to be, do you tend to scribble uh, uh, your thoughts down with each episode or do you, do you absorb the whole lot and then, you know, get everything written down? Well, I, I uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm on, I'm generally walking or kind of maybe gardening. Uh, mm-hmm. And I will, if, if something, it's usually something just that something piques me or amuses me and often a phrase or just a tiny bit of dialogue and then I'll I'll make a note often just on my phone and and maybe just reel back and make sure I've got these choice words that were whoever that you or Susan or whoever has said and then it will give me something to sort of riff riff off and I think I've learned I've learned also I think I, I took time to be able to do this job okay you know that I think I I've 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 learned really from Nancy that that what this column does at if it's sort of functioning is obviously we just pretend we we absolutely embrace the illusion that the archers is real. You know, there's no point 
it's not a review. It's an immersion. Mm. It's a kind of it's a it's a little kind of dispatch from from Ambridge, um, and and it's it's not we're not going to get into you know whether we think the scripts are good or not. And I have learned that actually from people who read it because they don't want that. They want a little mm. dispatch, and that's yeah. how I've decided that it it, it works best mm. with some jokes it's, or sadness, oh, you know, jokes. whatever. Yeah. I, I think I still remember that you, there was just this sort of it's just such little little things but you know you when you describe Joy's boyfriend um, Mick is his name as being large of girth and small of speedos I mean that's just brilliant yeah. <laughs> and that sort of that just describes him and what's that sort of six or seven words it's yeah. very very funny yeah but yeah. it's all yeah. from the writing yeah. isn't it because one of the things I remember. Um, an actor friend of mine, not in the Archers, but who was in the long-running um, series about the First World War, whose name I've forgotten, which oh, I was, know. you know the one I mean, right? Which was also... I don't what it's called, though. None of us can remember. It doesn't really matter for the purposes, but she was recording in Birmingham. And mm. she she just, in a very... She's a brilliant actor, da, 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 She just happened to say to me, the thing about the Archers is that they're so good at making you making you know where you are, making you understand where you are. And I just thought, that that's that's incredibly simple what you've just said. But of course, you know, we don't even think about this, but I, I you know, I know what the bull looks like. I know I know what that kind of funny suburban garden with the with the it was that that description of Mick came out of sort of hot tub um ridiculous and amusing hot tub uh, series of episodes and you just know you know you just you just know what that hot tub looks like and what Mick looks like and his speedos but because it's all in the writing and it's all in the sound design and it's all in those kind of you know subtle all the kind of beautiful subtle things that the creators of the archers do to create this incredible illusion so it's, that's that's just a reflection of what's created that you that you have these sort of flashes of. <laughs> well, I I think that you've taken over seamlessly. You see, from Nancy Bank Smith. I mean, uh, when I read your column, I think well, you know, it could it could almost be her in in many ways. I mean, I just think the humour, the, the the whole the the overall attention to it, and I think um, just as you have said, that's what Nancy I think used to do as well. You know, it, it was just the camera clicking on it. Uh, not making any particular comments about it, but the camera clicking on it and sharing with the listeners or those who maybe didn't listen what was going on. And, and uh, I, yeah, it, 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 I just love your columns. I think they're, they're brilliant. So well done, really. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, and I think, you know, stylistically, I, I'm just not Nancy and that's fine, you know, Nancy, you know, and that's totally fine. But I think her, her way of framing it, you know, I'm never going yes, to be Nancy. Absolutely. I'm never going to try to be like Nancy Martin. But I do yeah. think... Uh, it's just right to to take her brilliant way of framing it, like you say, that kind of snapshot, and then yeah. and then I then I all I can do is do me, which is is yeah, it's it's always going to be a bit less brilliant than Nancy, but you know that's life. I I have I'm 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 comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah, don't I don't do yourself down. It's a wonderful column, and like I say, you know you can make us laugh, you can make us weep. You know that column about Jennifer. Mm. 
you know, you, you finish that off something about, you know, she died because she had too weak a heart, something that mm. could never have been said about her in life. That was just, you know, I go a bit tearful just yeah. even now, you know, because th- it was such a beautiful way of putting it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It, it's just very, very lovely. And I just love this image of you doing this sort of like mega omnibus edition <laughs> On your walk, listening to all those episodes in one go. I'm going bombarding. to do it. It's, yeah, bombarding myself with Ambridge. I'm going to be doing it on Monday next. That's my next uh, next Archer's Day. And I'll be doing it in Rome. So I'll be stomping through oh. the Giardini Borghese. <laughs> <laughs> listening, listening to, to Eddie Grundy. Of, I love yeah, it. Yeah, listening to Eddie Grundy, yeah. And that scoundrel George. Oh, brilliant. Wrapping everyone around his little finger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 So, 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 where are you in your listening of it then at the minute, Charlotte? Oh, I'm oh. I'm in a kind of weird like I've heard some episodes, but not all of them. So I've got sort of patchy. Right. Um, right. So um, the reason I mentioned George is that I heard him um, manip- you know, manipulating. <laughs> Clary and yes. um, Susan about the question of whether he was going to be allowed to have a party and you just want to go yeah. no you don't let George have a party on any in any domestic space like put him in yes. the cider shed anywhere yes. Yes. <laughs> but yes. don't be insane yes. people and they're all going oh George yeah. you're a good lad and you're just thinking aren't you of that smoking post box <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Absolutely, he's a naughty, naughty boy. It is all that. You reminded me when you were saying that, you know, the whole the way that the the, um, the Rory and Julianne um, story is sort of uh, panning out, you know, and I, and I sit there and I'm in it, but, you know, and I'm, I, I listen to those scenes and I'm like, oh, no, Rory, no, no, no. You do, you just get completely involved. No, please, don't somebody do something. Alice, come and do something. Um, yeah, it's... it's uh, it, it's it's very unusual, I think, the archers in that way that you do become completely absorbed by it. Yeah, yes, and I heard you know the, the dulcet tones of Tans and Greg as well. I, that was that was nice to hear. But again, yeah. you did want to kind of reach through the radio and say, just stop there. You know, stop where at that yeah. bit where you said sorry. Just stop yes. there. <laughs> yeah. That was why I asked you, actually, Charlotte, because I didn't know how far you, 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 and I, this week, of course, have been listening, and I, I mean, I thought some of those scenes were fabulous, actually, between her and Charles, um, but yeah, again, you know, another machination that's come out of this whole Jennifer's death, you know, the, 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 uh, how will this fact, you think, my goodness gracious, how is this going to turn out, really? Yeah. Not well, is I think. Not well, not well, not well from any point of view, I think. Not well at all. <laughs> Right. So, given that you are the chief culture writer at The Guardian, what do you make of culture in Ambridge then and Linda Snell's attempts to bring some sort of uh, cultural pursuits? I love into it. I love it. I love, I love that Linda has tried to bring, you know, punch drunk style, immersive, um, immersive ambulatory theatre you know site specific yeah. into into the village I absolutely love it I absolutely love it I I kind of was hoping that we would find that um, Vince Casey was a really proper art expert when he had that sort of interaction with Russ who I slightly regret the departure of Russ because I quite enjoyed him um who knows maybe he'll be back um but yes other than that it's a bit Nobody ever talks about what they're reading, do they, or anything like that. It's a bit, 
you know, you know. I don't. Do you no, think? A... Do, you, do you think Lillian's? Well, I, I imagine she's a bit of a Jackie, um, of a not Jackie Collins. Well, maybe. I was there. Jilly Cooper must be pretty big in the in yeah, average. I, I, I would think so. And it just I'm just thinking, you know, as we're talking now, we do not have a book club. We need a book club, don't we, in average? We do not have Wasn't a book there one at one point that was lasted there? about a week? Was there? was there? Maybe there was. Maybe that was why I don't remember it, if it only lasted a week. I don't know. Tell us, listeners, if you can remember. Maybe. I might have just made that I, up. I should suggest to Jeremy that possibly Lillian of all characters decides that they're going to be a book club. Well, I think so. Greek myths and new retelling would be an Awfully good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know one book club that just reads all of Jilly Cooper and then goes back to the beginning. So maybe it could be. <laughs> the thing, J- yeah. Jilly Cooper must be Lillian's favourite author, don't you think? I mean, I don't know. I what, what, think Sonny, you, 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 I, you, you I, I, I think she. I yeah. I I'm not sure though that you know, Lillian is is really a, a great reader. great reader. I I I think she's out there, you know, on Aziz and Amir and trying to sort Justin out and you know walking Ruby and getting herself. Yeah, I think she, doing her nails really. I think that's and Jim, something. of course. Yeah. Jim, yeah, it will Jim, be Jim, Jim, It will be Jim Cooper. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. Jim. You know, I studied classics at university, so mm-hmm. I, I have to. You know, I get a little thrill whenever Jim breaks out into Latin. Um, oh, you did last night. You'd enjoy it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. I yes. mean, I do have to think. I love the archers so much, but I do have this thing where I, a friend of mine who also loves the archers, a very, a very, you know, kind of sophisticated, uh, writer and academic, said to me, "But would you want to have a drink with any of them, Charlotte?" And I did think, mm, maybe Lillian, but beyond that, it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That was a question actually we were going to ask you. Actually, you know, who in Umbridge might you like to have a drink with? Well, I'm, I'm very flattered that you know you'd have a good time. That's for sure, darling. Oh, yeah. have a very, very good time. Lots oh, yeah, of gin. Yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But of course, Linda does desperately, doesn't she? She does try and bring culture to Umbridge in her own sweet way. I mean, well, we had, of course, Anthony Gormley. Do you remember that uh, a few years ago? Was that with the plinth time? I think that was two thousand and nine, and I do remember yes, some wonderful yes. scenes there. Yes, um, yes, that yeah. was hilarious. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I also had hopes for Christopher. Do you remember when he was making um, various sort of avant-garde garden ornaments for people, which they were very nonplussed by? Um, there was that. I thought maybe maybe that was going to turn into a sort of more creative bent. Um, and of course, there was the extraordinarily unlikely William Grundy's pottery, um, uh, uh, which <laughs> he seemed to gain competence remarkably fast in that, by the way. <laughs> Extremely difficult. Potting. Oh. Anyway, there you go. So there is culture. We've not seen all the great everywhere. pottery throw down, have we? <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Today's podcast is sponsored by MTL Associates. Would you like a website but don't know where to start? Could your business do with that bit extra? It's less than you think. MTL Associates produces websites for people like you. They'll agree a fixed price for their work, starting from £50 for a five-page website using one of their templates. And after that, it can be as little as £14 a month. MTL Associates. It's you, but online. I don't like to think of Ambridge as a soap opera. I like to think of it as dispatches from Borsetshire. But for those who do think of it as a soap opera, do you do you watch any of the TV soap operas or are you not, you're not engaged with those? 
No, I never really have. I mean, I, I, I shared, you know, in my youth, I shared a house with a brick, a Brickside watcher, uh, a Liverpool, right. a, a Liverpool person. So I watched that very briefly. It was in a, a sort of good golden age of lesbian snogs and stuff like that. Um, it, it, it was terrible. Really. I mean, I've watched like maybe about three episodes of EastEnders and my. So you know, it's just it's no. In short, it's just not me. And I think I it, it sort of in my life, in the particular life that I lead, I can't quite imagine it either. I um, the Archers has always had that quality. I mean, now it's a bit different for me because of this actual professional sort of responsibility to listen to every single episode. But it's always had that wonderful quality of it being something to which you can also be kind of cooking the dinner or whatever or pottering about doing something else. Um, so you're with it and it's it's alongside you in your life rather than you plonking yourself down five days a week or however many times TV soaps are on now. Um, so, yeah, it, it seems for me it sort of occupies a slightly different kind of cultural... Maybe it's just that we were snobs in my family. I mean, that's also, you know, we just didn't really watch East, you know, but somehow The Archers was okay. And I, <laughs> I'm not quite sure why. But, but <laughs> we, we, and is, is, are you a real radio listener, uh, generally? Yeah, yeah. I am Would a you... real radio listener and increasingly a kind of podcast listener. You know, I, I, I'm an absolute Radio 4, Radio 3 person. Yeah. And there are things on Radio 4 I absolutely love. At the moment, I'm listening to Gordon Carrera's um, programme about um, the 20, 20 years since the uh, Iraq invasion, which is absolutely brilliant. I've been listening to that yeah. on my phone, yeah. on my walks. So good is it that I actually emailed him to tell him so, which is a rare occurrence. And I love mm -hmm. Tim Harford, more or less. You know, yeah, I, I, I'm quite, quite a geeky, quite a geeky listener. No, I mean, I think that's great. One of the things I always wanted to ask you, because I'm not a writer, Jade is a writer, uh, um, and obviously you're writing the column. How are you with deadlines, Shana? I mean, are you somebody that is very organised? You know, you've got your deadline there and I'm going to work this out methodically. Or are you one of those people, <gasps> I've got the deadline, ah, I better get on with it. I, I'm afraid to say that I'm absolutely brilliant with deadlines. <laughs> and I always, I've ne I never, I, I always hit them. I, th I, I, I I'm not really a last minister, so I suppose yeah. if, if the defect is more that I, you know, I um I like to plan and I like to know what I'm doing and when. So I, I I'm probably a bit more um uh um flaily around it if if things change, you know, suddenly. Um, but no, I can do a deadline. I mean, I think to be fair, most journalists can because you sort of have to. But I yeah, sure. Even. So I note, I note from many years of observation that I am possibly better than some of my colleagues at that particular thing about journalism. <laughs> I mean, there are many other things, right? But I'm quite good at hitting the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would have yeah. thought you had to be, you know, some people live quite dangerously, don't they? And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and don't, or you probably have to train yourself to do that, even if you do tend to live dangerously. I would imagine it gets to a point where, you you know, if you don't, uh, there's a lot of valium that has to be consumed otherwise. Just before we maybe leave the Archers, if if you're given the opportunity to become a scriptwriter on the Archers, are there any particular stories that you might like to develop? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hadn't... <clears throat> 
Oh, well, that's a really interesting question. Um, I, I'm, I mean, I'm interested in it all, really, and, I, and no one should ever make me a script writer. I was slightly thinking, I mean, I know this is a contentious point, but I was quite pro Sean O'Connor. And I quite liked the sort of, I quite liked that period when The Archers was basically a Wilkie Collins novel or a kind of George mm -hmm. Eliot. You know, it's like a Victorian melodrama, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. I know not everyone was for that, but I quite enjoyed it. So I might be, in, I might be doing some, you know, dredging up of Thomas Hardy or whatever, you know, to get a, like some really, really strong events and um, catastrophes and, you know, just mess with everybody a bit. But long term, I'm, you know, I mean, inheritance is just this kind of ongoing thing, you know, the generation shifting, isn't it? And those things that are going to play out slowly and gradually over the years, you know, what is going to happen to Lower Loxley when you've got the sort of feckless male heir and the kind of, you know, very efficient female non-heir, you know, how's that going to play out? And all that's terribly interesting. Um, and how yeah, maybe you should like burn Lower Loxley down, and you know, I don't know. <laughs> events, I want some events. Oh. <laughs> I still events, think, okay, right? here's one thing specific. I still think, surely, the Grundies are going to find some massive Anglo Saxon hoard of gold and silver <laughs> in the fields great. around Brookfield and yeah. sort of transform and somehow transform their fortunes in this way. By splitting, because you split, you then split the. If you sold it, you then split the the takings with the, with um, the landowner. I don't know. I just kind of feel like yeah. that it, it felt like it was it was um what's the amazing TV program that we love with Toby um Jones in it? Detectorists. Yeah. Yes, there was a sort of lovely yeah. detectorist vibe to that, and I I I would yeah. like to see that sort of reemerge. Yeah. yeah, that <laughs> yeah. would be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we started recording, you mentioned that you're off to Ukraine shortly. Mm. So tell us about that. Where are you going? What are you doing? What's it about? I'm going to Kiev and I'm going then points east to um, do some reporting. Um, the thing is, when last year I went to Kiev for the first time, it was really because I we felt in the guardian that um and i made the argument specifically i suppose that um the the, the invasion of ukraine is based around actually it is based around culture and identity it is based around putin's false idea that uh, ukraine doesn't have its own existence it doesn't have its own culture it doesn't you know it doesn't really have its own language it doesn't have its own sort of raison d'etre as a country um, and I think most most wars probably do have culture lurking in there um, to a greater or lesser extent, but it's not usual that the aggressor in one of these situations would actually frame the invasion as cultural. And so it seemed a really interesting and important thing to do to try and reflect what that meant and how um, specifically how um, Ukrainian cultural figures were resisting using culture as a means of resistance and, and sort of insisting to the world that actually they do have a distinct culture and they do, they do exist, you know, that is their, that is what they are, you know, that is their project is to say like, we're here, we're, we exist, um, this is our culture. And so I had an extraordinary, really, um, it was a really inspiring um, time um, 
uh, in um, Ukraine um, in October last year and have sort of been badgering my colleagues at The Guardian to let me go back, and, and which was really banging on an open door because they quite liked or very much liked, I think, the the sort of reporting I did that was a bit different from the normal kind of frontline reporting. It was more reflecting that, you know, if a country's at war, the whole country is at war and, and that plays out in all kinds of different ways. And if you use the lens of culture, then you can start seeing things in that country that, um, that just sort of fo focusing solely on the military side of it would not show you. So it's been, it's been a very transformative experience, actually, not least, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously I passionately believe that culture is hugely important for all kinds of reasons, not least because, um, because culture tells us who we are and it, it's really fundamental to reflect that aspect of life in the way we describe the world in the newspaper. But um, going to Ukraine, showed you that in this kind of extraordinarily difficult and violent situation where everything is at stake, culture doesn't become less important to people, it becomes even more important to people. And that was moving yeah. and um, affecting. Yeah. So, so yes, I'm going back to do more of the above in a couple of weeks' time. And how, how long will you be there, Charlotte? How long Co will you be there, do you know? couple of weeks yeah okay which is about the sort of uh we've got a complicated rotor of reporters and and we sort of go in for two weeks and then out again and yeah i think that's just uh, such an important thing to do mm. because that mm. you can't always be so much of what we read about the war is through the lens of you know fighter jets and bullets and military stuff mm. and but this is really, as you said, this is really what the, what the front line is, isn't it? It's about do they have a right to exist as a, as a people with their own culture or not? Mm. Is it exactly. depressing to be there or is it? No, you said because um, you said it was it was uplifting. I think I said it was inspiring. I mean, it, inspiring, I suppose it also it is also uplifting. I suppose the, the what's inspiring, although it is it is also incredibly sad making at the same time <clears throat> excuse me is the just seeing the grit and determination often of incredibly young people I mean a lot of the most impressive people I met are kind of 25 year olds and you know they've had to gain a lot of wisdom beyond their years very quickly and um and and they're just you know they're just they're doing stuff, you know, they're, they're doing, they're resisting in using the means at their disposal, which might be cultural with every fibre of their being. And that is, it is inspiring, but it, yeah, heck, it's, you, you just sort of, I mean, it's, it's terrible that they're having to do that, you know, um, it's, it's terrible. Um, and I was only in Kiev last time, so uh, well, th there were cruise missile attacks and things, and people were killed. But it's it, obviously it's not it's not it's not a, it's not like the 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 it's not you know it's it's not uh, it's not like the the kind of um, grotesque death and destruction that's um, on the front line. And I think yeah, the vibe would be really <laughs> a little bit different. Um, oh. But yes, I mean, I, I suppose. So, I suppose it, it was inspiring in the sense that it was a reminder of how 
how important culture is and, and that's a spine stiffener that stiffens your spine when you come back to thinking about how how we how culture operates in in our society here yeah and how fortunate we are eh? how fortunate we are because you know there but for the grace of god in a way and and, and what happens when suddenly it almost well it was overnight wasn't it like, suddenly the whole the whole world is just completely turned upside down in every every conceivable aspect um and 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 also with culture as well how you know it's our humanity as well it's it's about trying to keep connected with our humanity isn't it in those awful awful circumstances yeah no totally and you know if if britain were invaded it would be very important for the archers to keep recording it would just as it's 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 it was important you know whatever people say about the quality of the of the archers during the pandemic let's not go but it was important that it kept going and and absolutely um it would have been it would have been frightful actually if it hadn't kept going um and similarly you know the opera house in kiev reopened at the back end of may last year that was pretty shortly after the russians had had withdrawn from 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 encircling kiev and it's really important to people that they can spend a few hours, at, you know, put their lipstick on, mm. go to the opera and have a few hours where they're not just thinking about the war. It's really important. Mm. And, and that's Sanity. also moving. Yeah. <laughs> and is, yeah. is this one of the things, because you're very passionate in, in The Guardian in your defence of people like Eno and, I mean, you know, arts organisations in general, uh, who are under attack and you know getting funding uh, removed or under threat of disappearing completely so is that does that sort of fuel your fire it does actually yeah it really does um i mean when i was there i, I remember writing about so i was there at the back of the end of october and i went to the opera and then in november there were these funding announcements that included English National Opera having its being yeah. defunded. Um, and, and, and the sort of confluence of those things, just uh, that made me very sad and very angry. You know, also the BBC singers and the, the BBC yeah. um, orchestral cuts. Um, yeah. BBC singers have, have just had some kind of reprieve, but I'll be interested yeah. to see the, the, the details of that. But, you know, I've done a lot of what you mentioned that I've written about the history of the BBC and I have done a lot of work on the origins of these groups and, you know, why they were formed and, you know, what they did and who conducted them and who wrote for them. And you just think, how, Rick, you, you what? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to get rid of this choir that Stravinsky conducted? What the hell? You know, I just, I, I, it's, 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 all, you know, it's unspeakable. It does make me very angry. Yeah, yeah, it makes me really angry. It's just <laughs> yeah. so dismissive. This doesn't, you know, this yeah, doesn't count. And, um, and, and yeah, the problem is once it's gone, it's gone. You know, absolutely. Um, absolutely. You know, I can remember ever so briefly, but you know, we talk about in the eighties because I come came through the repertory system. You know, there was a rep virtue in every town when I first left drama school. And how I remember, I think it was the Glory of the Garden or something at the time. And there were so many theatres that suddenly went to the wall because funding was taken away. You know, and and it's it's just trying to hang on to these things for as long as as possible because um, because it is it's about humanity. It's about feeding our soul. It's about 
<laughs> you know, uh, the spiritual side of life as well as much as anything else. And, and uh, you know, it's at our peril, really, that, that we disconnect from all that. Yeah, agreed. And I think also, it, I think if you turn it round as well, in a funny way, look at it from a slightly different angle. I think that when all these things are functioning well, it's a symbol of a of a well functioning society, and when it when they're not, it's like a symptom checker. It's like things are not, things are amiss, and I think looking at Britain from the outside at the moment, you kind of, you know, people are shocked, particularly about these BBC uh, the cuts to the BBC orchestras and choirs, and yeah. and they look at something, they, something's not ha something's not right, you know, something's not working. There may be other evidence for things about Britain not quite working at the moment, possibly, that they may have noticed. But this is, this is sort of yeah. adds to it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> definitely, definitely. Indeed, 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 indeed. Now, one, it's been fab. Thank you so much for giving up your time today. Um, uh, uh, and one of the questions that we always ask our guests, and we'd love you to answer as well, what would you say, Charlotte, to your younger self, if you could? Uh, I would say listening to the archers is not time wasted because you were going to be able to use that in your future career. Um, and, and actually that is a really, really kind of, you know, more broadly, I think that's the kind of thing about stick with the stuff that you're passionate about. It doesn't look very important now, but the stuff that you really mm. care about is going to, it's, it's going to pay the mortgage later, but also it's going to enrich you and kind of, you know, you're going to get a lot out of it. Um, and I suppose the other thing, um, I, I yeah, probably say something like don't necessarily get married to absolutely the first person who comes along. Um, lovely as that person <laughs> was and remains. Good advice on both accounts. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much from both for Charlotte. It's just been yeah. an absolute joy to talk to you. Really, yeah. really lovely. And yeah. we can't wait to hear what hear? No. We can't wait to read your next column because this last month has been a humdinger. So enjoy it on your walk on Monday. And we yeah. look forward pressure to reading all about it. Yeah. No pressure is on. <laughs> save, save times in Ukraine. Save times in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Thank so much, thank you so, so much. Honestly, you. it's been an honour, yeah. an absolute honour. I you know, if my younger oh. self could have seen me talking to Lillian Bellamy. She would have been very impressed. Oh, look, thank you, darling, so much. It's been absolutely marvelous. I'll, I'll see you in the bullpen. Yeah. Bye, darling. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Jane. Thanks for listening to our One Stiletto in the Grave podcast. If you'd like to see behind-the-scenes clips and bonus content, please visit our Facebook page, One Stiletto in the Grave podcast. And if you'd like to ask any questions, follow us on Twitter at One Stiletto 65. This podcast is produced by Raggedy House Productions and the music composed by Tom Smith. See you next time!